Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Today's program features Hope Goins discussing the 20th anniversary of the Department of Homeland Security, the importance of diversity and inclusion for committee staff, and areas of bipartisan policy cooperation such as border security and cybersecurity. Ms. Goins is the Minority Staff Director for the House Homeland Security Committee. This program was recorded in conjunction with the HSDF Policy Symposium celebrating women in homeland security on March 30th, 2023. Hello and welcome. I'm Megan Nance with the Homeland Security and Defense Forum, and I'm delighted to be joined by a special guest today for a congressional fireside chat, Ms. Hope Bowens. Hope, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. And as many of you tuning in know, um, Ms. Bowens currently serves as Minority Staff Director for the House Homeland Security Committee. She is the most senior advisor to Ranking Member Benny Thompson on matters related to counterterrorism, countering violent extremism, intelligence, cybersecurity, natural disasters, and civil rights and civil liberties. And with over 15 years of experience on Capitol Hill, um, Ms. Goins has supervised the negotiation of many key pieces of Homeland Security legislation, including the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection Act. She has also represented uh, the United States and Department of State on delegations to over 20 nations. And Ms. Goins has been recognized by Roll Call and the Joint Center for Political and Economic Studies for leading the most diverse staff in Congress. So Hope, thanks again uh, for being here. And to begin our conversation, um, I thought it might be fitting to talk about the 20th anniversary of the Department of Homeland Security, which was recently celebrated on March 1st. And you've helped guide DHS through many different phases. And as we know, DHS has such a diversity of important mission areas. What are you particularly proud of when you reflect on what DHS has accomplished? And has anything surprised you as you've seen the DHS mission and threats to the homeland evolve over the years. Um, thank you so much, Megan. Yes, DHS just celebrated its 20th anniversary on um, March 1st. Um, Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden were there for the commemoration, um, as well as some former secretaries were on hand, too. I would say it's funny. When I first started at the committee, DHS had just turned five, and they had like a five-year five logo. <laughs> And just looking at the maturation of the department, um, the amount of employees, of course, DHS employs over half a quarter million, excuse me, people, um, the way it has been agile through the threat as the threat landscape has changed, as the threat landscape has changed from what has gone on overseas, um, how People try to enter and exit the United States, even with the technologies that have advanced over the years. DHS has been able to keep up. Um, DHS has been able to set up other sub agencies or tax force or, or policy initiatives with the assistance of Congress, um, of course, um, to tackle these things. Um, as you stated before, we did not have, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, we did not have DHS CISA. Now DHS CISA is an extremely component, extremely important component at DHS. Um, the intelligence enterprise, the uh, the way that 
There is interoperability, the interoperability, the different types of grants that are funded at DHS did not exist, funded from DHS did not exist a few years back. Um, those things have come because of the, the way that we monitor the threat landscape, the way that DHS monitors risk, um, does risk assessments. Those things have really changed. And just looking at the way the world has changed, the way the United States has changed, the way we travel um, has impacted the way DHS, the way we screen, um, the way we screen people coming in and outside of the United States or the way we screen for domestic travel. So I, while I have never worked at DHS, I've worked on several policy initiatives that have helped this agency mature. And I'm very proud of where they are now. As you should be proud. And I think in many ways, DHS has set an example for other federal agencies, especially when you look at excellence in procurement activities. Um, we know they've created the Procurement Innovation Lab, for example. You know, DHS has a strong commitment to social impact campaigns, and they're finding creative avenues within bureaucratic structures to really help deliver capabilities and technologies to the front lines, like you alluded to in your last comment. Um, how can we better capture some of the important lessons learned as DHS excels in these areas? And where do you think DHS still has room to grow? Well, I think one of the things is that you do have to look at. This is an agency that is 20 years old. So it's still one of the newest federal government agencies. But look at what it all it has accomplished in the last 20 years. And when it comes to procurement, when it comes to government services, DHS does do well in the small business and minority business categories, but still there are still some barriers that there that small and minority businesses feel as if they have. I think we could address those barriers a little bit better. Um, in addition, we still need some assistance probably with the DHS workforce. Um, we here at Homeland Committee, we worked on a bill to get a fellowship program at DHS to make sure that they have diverse intelligence analysts and diverse people working at CISA. Um, that fellowship has been funded and hopefully it will remain funded. Today is the day we're taping. Today is budget day. <laughs> So um, making sure that we have people, Americans um, from across the nation that could actually work at DHS and use DHS as their public service, service to this nation to work in the cyber field, to work in the intelligence field. I think DHS has come a long way in its law enforcement categories, um, in its, its secret service, ICE, HSI, CBP. Those law enforcement professionals at DHS, their, their ability to be agile and to adjust to how this nation has evolved is a standard for the rest of the federal government. Absolutely. Um, and you talk about workforce issues. And so I, I did want to ask you, because we've seen a lot of activities ramp up around diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I know you've been personally recognized for creating a diverse committee staff on the Hill. Can you just talk about why that diversity is so important to the committee's success? And how do some of these DEI and A initiatives tie into workforce recruitment and retention, um, specifically on the Hill? Well, on the Hill, I think that it is, we are the policymakers. We are the ones that write 
the laws, the legislation, but we also are the ones that come and sit at the table. So when policies are discussed and someone says, speaks about a policy, we can discuss the perspective. Um, Different people from different backgrounds are necessary because the things that we legislate and the policies that we put in place, they don't just affect one subsection of the country. They affect the entire nation. So when you have professionals, especially from this committee, the committee that is supposed to be here to keep this nation safe and secure, you need diverse professionals on on the on this type of author, authorizing committee to ensure that when we put something into place, it affects all of the nation. Um, and that we're never going to meet some of the people that the policies we have written really and truly affect or the people whose lives we have tried to make better. So I think that that is an impact that something that we don't need to take lightly. Um, so that is really one of the reasons I stress diversity, um, equity, and inclusion on the Hill, especially among the people that actually write the laws and work with the legislators to get these laws implemented. I love that answer. That's a great answer, Hope. And um, I did want to ask you just a couple of kind of policy-centric questions just to see what's going on with the new Congress. And um, historically, there's been a lot of homeland security areas that have seen bipartisan support. And I just wanted to briefly discuss, you know, border security and cybersecurity. And on the border issue, we've seen the Biden administration recently surge resources to the border and work to expand legal pathways for migration and some, some Republicans might argue it's not enough to tackle these problems, but as you begin to work with the new Congress, um, where do you think there are areas for bipartisan cooperation to help address this ongoing uh, border crisis? Well, um, I think that one of the things that we that is needed for the border, I've been to the border. I, by the time this airs, I would have gone to the border <laughs> again. Um, but just saying that to say, um, and most members have been to the border, we need resources at the border. And I think that that is something that both Republicans and Democrats can agree on. I have not opened my budget yet, um, <laughs> the Biden budget. I have not opened it yet, but hopefully that is extending more resources to the border and that we can get some type of bipartisan vote on that budget to get more resources to the border. I do think that there needs to be a focus on the root causes of migration and some legal pathways to immigration. Um, we also look at what is happening with fentanyl. Fentanyl is a very dangerous drug that is a, that is intercepted at points of entry into the United States. Um, but it ends up, but it's not always intercepted, right? So it ends up getting across the nation. And I think that that is something that we do need to make sure that we examine. Um, both Republicans and Democrats do agree that that is, that's a threat to our country. For the most part, there are a lot of things that we agree on when it comes to homeland security. Um, there are a lot of disagreements when it comes to the border and what is going on at the border and the number of migrants coming to this country. However, I think that the objective is to make sure that these country, this country's borders are secure. And that means um, our 
sea borders, our land borders, and every every way that there is to come in and out of the United States. Um, As you've heard several times, if someone is going to harm someone in this country, they're not necessarily going to ask their political party um, before they get ready to do it. Now, I say that without, with recognizing that there is a rise of political violence in this country. There's also a rise of political violence across the world. I do think that um, Republicans and Democrats look at that through very different lenses, but I think it still concerns both parties. When it comes to cybersecurity, um, we know that if there is a breach or if we do not make sure that every community. And I am a very, very staunch advocate for making sure that um, cyber hygiene and knowledge of cybersecurity is throughout rural America. Um, I'm from rural America. Um, but that that they because they can be devastated by that, right? So I think that making sure that cybersecurity is a priority is very, very, very much top of mind for Republicans and Democrats alike, um, making sure that there are resources for cyber professionals, making sure that our critical infrastructure in the United States is protected, um, and also just making sure that there is collaboration between industry and the United States government to ensure that we are that we are as secure as possible. Um, ransomware or different types of attacks um, throughout the nation can be utterly devastating on communities and could be extremely costly to our financial systems, to our voting systems, to our day-to-day lives. And so making sure that cybersecurity is top of mind and a priority is something that is very, very bipartisan and recognized across Democrats and Republicans. Thanks for that answer, Hope. And I appreciate your um, candid responses. And I think, too, on the issue of cybersecurity, you know, recently, I think we're starting to see a lot more resources diverted to state and locals to help with their cybersecurity um, ecosystems, which is great. And I think we know CISA, which you mentioned in your earlier remarks, you know, has a really important role there. And maybe just um, going back to CISA, you know, their cyber mission continues to grow leaps and bounds. You know, they have a lot of additional resources directed towards them and they're continuing to hire at a really uh, quick pace and making organizational changes to accommodate that growth. Um, Just from where you sit on the committee, as you continue to work with CISA, you know, how are you helping them help help shepherding them through this uh, period of, of growth? Well, first of all, thank you so much for mentioning state and local um, cybersecurity, because um, last Congress, we were able to work with um, Congresswoman Yvette Clark and Congressman Thompson and Ranking Member John Catco, and we were able to get a state and local cybersecurity grant program that actually put a $1 billion investment into state and local jurisdictions, Um, I would say looking at that and make and seeing DHS administer and get ready to implement that, that's one way we've worked with DHS and CISA to get make sure that the cybersecurity mission is out throughout the entire um, entire nation. Um, in addition to DHS CISA, the Office of the National Cybersecurity Director 
at the White House. Um, we work closely with that office as well to ensure that we have good cyber hygiene throughout the nation. Um, I would say that we continue making sure that CISA has resources, um, human resources, and the financial resources to make sure that it completes its mission, um, that it completes. And also, you know, once again, CISA is a very new component, um, just making sure that there's awareness. And I think that um, Jen Easterly does a good job of that right now. And I think that through working with Congress, um, keeping those connections open, which have been done by that component um, for quite some time now, but keeping that connection open and looking at the priorities of that component really and truly motivates members of Congress to make sure that it is funded and to make sure that policy initiatives that come from that component are implemented. I appreciate that. And I wanted to go back to something you said in your opening remarks as we were reflecting on the DHS 20th anniversary. And I really appreciated how you mentioned that DHS has had a lot of success because they've been so agile. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're facing a lot of, you know, evolving threats. There's a lot of unknown unknowns out there. Um, I guess just from your perspective, um, how can we help ensure that DHS does stay you know, an agile organization and, and able to respond um, as needed as, as the threat environment continues to change? Well, I think we need to recognize the threat environment and know that there is not a lone threat to the United States. Um, I think that we need to make sure that we look at the mission of the agency, that it is not just an agency um, for immigration enforcement or just border security. We have to look at it holistically. Um, DHS, the, we look at the intelligence enterprise, um, the, the DHS INA, of course, the Coast Guard, our waterways, making sure that our waterways remain secure and that the Coast Guard is properly funded. That's a part of DHS. <laughs> Looking at the cyber mission, um, if we can keep our eyes and we meaning Congress, also we meaning the executive branch, also we meaning the public. Um, the partners, our partners at the HSDF, keep our eyes open and keep remembering that there should be a whole of government approach to this, but also that DHS does not have a singular focused mission that in order for it to be successful and in order for, for our country to be protected from terrorists and terrorist movements or in order for us to respond to natural disasters quickly, we have to remain open that DHS and look at what DHS's entire mission is and make sure that that is well-funded and well-supported. Great answer. And I just have one final question for you, Hope. And, um, you know, we like to ask this of all of the incredible women leaders that um, have visited with HSDF, but what's one uh, piece of advice that you have for women? It can be at any career level, you know, whether it's specific to working on the Hill or in supporting uh, security missions. Well, I would just say, oh, goodness, <laughs> show up. Um, in this arena, there are not a lot of women, but we're working to change that. Um, I would say be a mentor to another woman, but also there will be times where you may be the only one at the table. 
or the first one at the table. Make sure the next time that you come to that table that either someone else, another woman will be at the table with you or that you're working to get another woman to come to the table with you. Um, I think, like I said, diversity is one of this country's strengths. It's going to be the strength of DHS. It's also going to be the strength of the homeland security industry as a whole. And I think that it is very important that we have strong women, but also women that are coming up in the ranks. Um, There are a lot of women that do not know about the careers in this industry. Um, They don't know about careers at DHS. Those are things that you just not necessarily taught while you're sitting down in seventh or eighth grade. Um, But making sure that you're there and making sure that you bring someone along with you. Um, I really am a firm believer in mentoring and cultivating and creating a bench. That's a great answer. And I think that's a great place to wrap up. And Hope, I just want to thank you again for your time today and sharing some of your insights. And thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to support the Homeland Security mission. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on every major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum and HSDF the podcast. HSDF the podcast.